WBEZ is supported by Chicago Humanities, presenting live events with historians Doris Kearns Goodwin and John Meacham, comedian Reggie Watts, and filmmaker Miranda July, and artists Hebrew Brantley and Amanda Williams in conversation. Plus, MSNBC chief correspondent Ali Velshi on small yet powerful acts of courage throughout history. Tickets for these events and more conversations on arts, culture, and current affairs at chicagohumanities.org. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Patrick Smith, in for Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Not too many statues or memorials honor women in Chicago, let alone black women. But that's about to change. Last month, the city got nearly $7 bucks to spend toward new monuments around the city, including one that will honor victims of police violence. It's called Say Her Name, the Rakia Boyd Monument Project. Boyd was 22 when she was killed by an off-duty police officer while walking near Douglas Park in 2012. To find out more about the monument, we're talking to Shahrazad Tillett, executive director of A Long Walk Home. I remember the killing of Rakia Boyd and the trial of Detective Dante Servan, who was the off-duty officer who killed her. This monument has been a long time coming. How, how does it feel to finally have this monument to Rakia Boyd get funded? Actually, um, as you were just even talking about it, I just got very emotional about it. Um, We've been working on this ever since uh, the trial process, where when we met um, Bikira's brother, Martina Sutton, at Douglas Park. And so it it is incredible. Um, It feels like a a new moment, a new time, um, and and honoring... um, not only Rikia's life, but the healing that will take place for that community and the people who've been working on her behalf to remember her. How does a monument like this help with healing for the community? Oh, yes. I mean, um, so we've been part of the work that we've been doing at A Long Walk Home for the last uh, eight years. It's been acting like the monument exists. Um, We've been doing activations uh, with the community and the family. We go to Douglas Park. We've done um, art events where we decorate the tree, um, wheat pasting uh, around where Rikia was killed, dinners to celebrate her birthday. And so with that, each time we do something, an activation, we're able to like engage the community, mm-hmm. educate people, keep her memory alive, but also um, create healing. A new, a new memory about what that space, that community in North Lawndale uh, exists and, and looks like. And so I think that um, that is something that we really want to center here is, is about healing. Can you tell me a little more about A Long Walk Home's mission, you know, more broadly? Yeah, A Long Walk Home is an organization that I founded. It's our 20th year. Um, and I co-founded it with my sister, Salamisha Tillett, uh, who's a professor and a, a Pulitzer Prize writer, um, but also a survivor of sexual assault. And so we began this organization as two black women, two sisters, um, honoring healing. I documented as a, as a younger sister uh, her healing process of sexual assault. So the beginning, the exceptions of our organization was centering around something traumatic and reclaiming that trauma through art um, and, and, and honoring what I thought was 
what was beautiful was her ability to heal and putting that on a pedestal. And so we toured around the country, and this was uh, before the Me Too movement, uh, and educated people about what is sexual assault and what does healing look like, and created from my photographs a performance to educate uh, the communities and high schools and colleges around the country um, around what does it look like in the African-American community. The funding for this from this particular grant is going to support the first phase of the Rakia Boyd project, um, which is focused on community engagement and design. You talked about engaging the community just a second ago. I mean, what have you been hearing from people so far about what the monument should look like? How do you plan on incorporating people's feedback into the final product? Yes. Um, so in 2021, uh, we did a we work with our young girls now. This is the new work that Evelyn and Co. And we have a program called Girlfriends Leadership Institute. And um, we've been working uh, with our young girls who are from that community. Some of them actually helped rename Douglas Park. Uh, we're from Leadership, Leadership Academy. Um, and so we did a whole summer just focusing. And uh, we have a brilliant board member, Paul Farber, who is a co-founder of Monument Lab, um, which is about creating conversations about monuments, right? Um, and we did a whole summer uh, dedicated just on looking at public art um, and educating and, and imagining and creating our own renderings before we partner up with artists um, about what they look like. They were focusing, um, and they interviewed Vicky's family as part of that data. Uh, a lot of it was around play, um, uh, creating this idea around freedom and play, um, some was some uh, images were about making sure there was a marker there, right? So right now, you could go to Douglas Park um, and go to the area and not know that this story has happened. I think that's a really important thing because part of some of the research that we have done is go to some other places um, like Mike Brown and Ferguson, and there's a plaque there and there's a marker there, right, mm -hmm. um, that knows that that has existed. And I think this type of erasure of that it didn't happen um, doesn't really allow the healing work to has happened in the, in the community and to the families. Yeah, I want to ask more about that. I mean, this monument, as you mentioned, it's set to be on the west side in Douglas Park. Mm -hmm. um, it's meant to help people learn more about the city's history of police violence. Uh, one of the other monuments the city is funding is the Chicago Police Torture Memorial. Uh, wh why, you know, you talked about healing. Why is it important to have these historic memorials be public, be in the place where where the incident happened rather than in a museum? Yeah, I mean, I, I could advocate for both. Mm. Um, we're doing works with museums as well. Um, I think that is important part to um, reclaim the actual site and it be in the community. Um, we've worked in this Alamacom Young Girls Girlfriends Leadership um, Institute was actually founded in North Lawndale. Um, I've been working in that community since the 2001. And so I feel like it's a end. We've been working particularly around this uh, justice and healing. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's a project that we feel like we've been working on with the community for many, many years. And and there's a need for healing. There's a need to bring resources. I think it's really important to say it's not just a monument. There's going to be other things that come with it. We, we are always in it for the long term in terms of providing um, healing works to the families that we work with as well. 
Last summer, a commission charged with reviewing Chicago's more than 500 public monuments recommended the city remove 13 monuments as part of racial healing and historical reckoning. Um, I wonder, do you view this Rakia Boyd monument uh, and, and the police torture memorial as part of sort of a corrective to the scope and the, the focus of, of Chicago's public monuments? Yes, I definitely. I think that's what's so exciting about this announcement that there are going to be new uh, monuments that are focusing on racial justice, um, particularly in our case, racial and gender justice. Um, this is a, tr- a true reckoning, I think, to have a monument be funded with the collaboration with the city around um, a, a woman who was killed by an, an, an uh, off-duty officer. Uh, and there's so much reckoning that needed to happen with that case. It was, a, as you said, in 2012, um, and then the trial happened in 2015. The city, um, there, you know, I remember her brother talking about that fact that how hard it was for him to say her name, right, um, as a woman. Um, it often got buried um, that police violence didn't happen to women. And actually 20% of the cases, police violences do happen in terms of killings to, to black women. Um, and um, gender uh, violence around police officers is one of the highest crimes. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just really important, like you said, to uplift like black women. Like this is a huge moment. There, of those 500 monuments, how many of them are women, right? Um, the Ida B. Wells statue uh, opened up in 2021. We were we were part of that um, with our, our our program that we did that year. But there are not many monuments um, for young people, particularly black girls, to have a reflection and see themselves in. And so this is a another huge moment that healing and, and a reckoning could happen. To be the ability to see yourselves in your own community, and what are those new monuments um, that should exist. You were just talking about the the history, the inspiring history of A Long Walk Home and your decision to focus on healing and your sister's healing after trauma. Um, I wonder, how do you think your your organization and your work help lay a foundation for, for other advocacy groups? I mean, as you talked about, your mm. your efforts came before the Me Too, Me Too movement. Yeah, so how did we... How, how did you help lay the groundwork for other, other organizations? Do you think you did? Oh, <laughs> I mean, yes, I, I always think um, the people who came before us, the maps have been laid out before us, as Alice Walker says. But I do think that the work that we did, the incredible sacrifices that we did to honor, to talk about something that no one was talking about at the time, which was sexual assault and gender-based violence, um, to center black girls um, at a time that it was incredibly hard to get funding for, but not only center them, but see them as leaders in this and collaborators um, was truly groundbreaking. Um, and I think that uh, this is our 20th year. Yeah. And so um, just really happy about the contributions, but the people that have been working on behalf of a long home to able us to do what we have done. You talked about sort of, you know, working with Rakia Boyd's family, her brother, Martina Sutton, how, how did what her family went through, I mean, how did it affect you personally, this this incident, this killing of Rakia Boyd? Oh, yes. Um, when I met Martina Sutton, um, I met him actually with one of our young girls. I remember the day exactly. It was right before the trial. And he was telling his story about Rakia um, through arts. He was doing a poem and rapping. Um, and um, 
just the bravery of and the courage through the actual trauma to 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 talk about this. Um, and there was a very small circle at the time, right? Because a lot of activists came on after, including us, mm. after the trial. And I went, I went to him and I said, I will continue doing something on behalf of Rikia Boyd. Um, and we've been doing stuff on that park. So that was the thing, like that Douglas Park, again, we, I worked at the school near, like two blocks away from Douglas Park. Alamacombe had an office at Douglas Park. We marched around uh, that park for about gender-based violence. And so we really wanted to, like, how could we not include Rikia's story? That was also something I think that that really uh, played with us as we talked about violence against women. And so it, 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 it definitely touched us and to the point that we did a march with the family um, that, that later that year. And then we just continued. We're like, we wanted these young girls who live in that community um, that to, uh, to be the memory of Rikia um, and to keep them fighting for justice, even after the marches die down. What happens, uh, that, I think that's what's really important about art how it becomes um, a symbol of existence. Uh, it reminds you of the history, even if people who don't know Rikia will now know Rikia and continue to know Rikia. Um, I believe that we would not know Brianna Taylor mm. if we didn't know Rikia Boyd, especially in that time where Martinez had to, and uh, the whole family of Rikia and many activists, um, you know, it was Trayvon Martin was killed that same year as as Rikia Boyd and um it was really hard for him to to make sure that her name was being honored and so I think that like a lot of the activists had to fight for black women's stories to be honored in the same name or in the same way as um other stories were and so I think her story is an incredible story in in our history um the say her name movement um gender justice work but also her story was a moment that the whole community and kind of came together to fight for. Shahrazad Tillett is the executive director of A Long Walk Home. Thank you so much for being here. This episode of Reset was produced by Nadia Hernandez. It was edited by Andrew Merriweather and Stephanie Kim. Get Reset each morning in your inbox by signing up for our newsletter. It's a fantastic way to find out what's coming up on the show and to share your thoughts on the big stories happening around Chicago. Go to wbez.org slash Reset News to sign up. That'll do it for Reset. I'm Patrick Smith in for Sasha and Simons. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.